Class is in session. You're listening to Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshake. Let's go! Now, let's start the show. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners? Thank you so much for checking out today's show. This is episode 119 of the Squat University podcast. The goal with each and every one of these shows is to bring you as much value-packed content to help you move better in the gym and in life, decrease your body's aches and pains, and help you reach your true athletic potential. Today's podcast is sponsored by Barefoot Athletics. Here's the deal. If you want to lift big weight with great technique, you need the right shoe. And for those of you out there that like to lift in a flat sole shoe, like a Chuck Taylor, you need to check out the Ursa shoe by Barefoot Athletics. They have a super wide toe box that allows you to naturally splay your toes out and use your foot like it was designed. No more cramming your foot into a narrow toe box and smashing your foot into an unnatural position. If you want to enhance foot stability, your technique control, and eventually your performance, you need to check out this shoe. I've been lifting in them for any of my non-Olympic lifts for over a year now, and I absolutely love them. They're extremely comfortable, and they're not going to break your bank like other lifting shoes out there on the market. So if you go to barefootathletics.com, and that's B-E-A-R, like the animal, and use the code SQUATU, you can get 10% off your order. And that's for everything on their website, including the Correcto toe spacers that I also wear every day. And you can learn about more in my podcast, uh, Why Your Shoes Suck with Dr. Ray McClanahan. Today's show is also sponsored by Ample. If you guys are like me, your day-to-day schedule is crazy busy and you don't always have time to sit down and eat a good meal after your workout. I usually have a protein shake and just try to chase it down with something quick like a bar, a Greek yogurt, or something else. Basically anything I can get down quickly before jumping right back into the workday. Then I find myself an hour later just starving. Ample solves this problem of not having enough time during the day to fuel your body optimally. They make a powder drink that just comes in the bottle. You just add water and shake it up before drinking. And check this out. Each bottle is either 400 or 600 calories, including a ton of protein and loaded with good fats and carbs from high quality foods that you can actually recognize on the ingredient list. So if you need help keeping weight on and optimally fueling your body during your busy schedule like me, Go to amplemeal.com, and that's A-M-P-L-E, and use the code SQUATU for 15% off your order today. The link is also going to be in the show notes of this podcast, along with the Barefoot Athletics. Now, before we get started, I also wanted to let you guys know that I recently came out with my first lifting program that you can follow along with. I teamed up with two-time Olympian Chad Vaughn to feature our Back to Basics Olympic weightlifting program. There are two 13-week programs that you can purchase that will help you improve your technique, mobility, and build towards new PRs in your squat, snatch, and clean and jerk. The program addresses the big lifts while also including a lot of movement and mobility prep unlike many other programs out there to help you progress in your lifts while also feeling good and staying injury-free at the same time. Just check out marketplace.trainheroic.com and search for the Back to Basics with Chad Vaughn and Squat University. Now on today's show, I'm joined again by Chad Vaughn, and we talk about a novel way to reinforce proper lifting technique for those who struggle with their squat, no matter how many cues or corrective exercises they try, called contraption squats. We reinforce it many times, but if you're interested in seeing what this looks like, check out my YouTube video on the Squat You channel, Improve Your Squat Technique with Contraption Squats. So without further ado, let's get to today's show. Well, Chad, thank you so much for coming on the Squat University podcast again. I'm super pumped to talk about today's topic, which is something that you and I have discussed many times, 
and we put out a recent YouTube video on it, but many people have not seen this before, and that is a contraption squat. So let's start off with this. Can you just give a simple explanation for everyone listening out there to what the hell a contraption <laughs> squat really is? Yeah, con- contraption squats. I'm, I'm always uh, experimenting and trying to come up with, with different tools and ways to get athletes to, to improve and to do the things that I want them to do. You know, when, when, uh, an athlete can't execute a cue for like two years straight and I'm trying to, you know, many different ways to get them to do that. I always seem to have these dreams where I come up with things, but, um, these are contraption squats are just a way for athletes to block their feet. Okay. Um, really specifically indicated for those athletes with what I like to call crazy feet. So if you ask them to put their feet in a certain stance. When they squat down, they move around, they lose foot stability. So maybe they slide um, out wider and or turn out a little bit wider. But a big thing with that comes the loss of foot stability. So, you know, what you have to remember and understand and think about is that the foot, when it's placed in a stance, when you are squatting down and standing back up, and when you are receiving your snatches and your cleans, when they land back on the floor, they should be a constant solid object. They should be immovable in every way. They shouldn't be sliding around and they, your arches shouldn't be collapsing. It should just be solid on, you know, uh, what you like to call Aaron, a tripod foot. Mm-hmm. And so when you have crazy feet, when they're moving around in any way, whether that's sliding or collapsing, you know, maybe your, um, your pinky toe is coming off the ground with that collapse collapsed arch maybe your big toes are coming off the ground Uh, maybe your heels are coming off the ground so in whatever way that is what these contraptions squats are really what i the way i like to think of it is their training wheels for your feet for the betterment of you know foot stability foot development foot stability uh, for the squat yes but really more so for the reception of your snatch and clean and here's the thing if you're losing foot stability within a squat guaranteed you're losing it within a snatch and clean, you know, you're going to have a better chance to learn foot stability with a squat. And that's where you need to work on uh, every part of your reception first and foremost, anyway, is, is within a squat. Um, but so, so that's where these contraption squats of course need to be applied. We're not looking to apply these within snatches and cleans. So you're going to need to get some base work, um, in, with them with squats of course and something that we'll talk a lot more about later is you know using only light weights we're not talking about crazy weights we're talking about weights that will assist your position and your mobility because in in the end contraption squats are nothing other than position and mobility work position and mobility work now for anyone listening, Chad and I made a YouTube video for this. So if you want to get a good picture of what this looks like, definitely go check out that YouTube video. But the most simple way of understanding it, like you said, is literally taking plates and different implements. Like we used a, a dumbbell in between the feet and then plates on the outside, basically to position the foot into the exact uh, location that we want it to be in during the squat. So if someone for example, during a back squat, as they go down, their feet slide out, their toes spin out. They're not able to maintain that stable foot. This is a way of basically guiding the person and just using like blinders, basically. Like mm-hmm. you want to stay in this exact position. Now, one of the, the first things I love doing usually when I see someone that has crazy feet is I just want them to get out of their shoes sometimes and get barefoot yeah. just to like feel the ground. Because sometimes 
when we're only lifting in shoes. And this goes a lot for Olympic lifters sometimes, I think, just because we're always in Olympic weightlifting shoes. Uh, but also for people that go to gyms where maybe you can't go barefoot. So they've never had the experience of lifting barefoot. So just getting out of your shoes, putting that bar on your back with some lightweight and going through a squat barefoot will allow you to sometimes just increase your awareness of where you're even at noticing, Oh, wow. I'm 90% of my weight through my heels, Mm -hmm. only 10% of my toes. No wonder my toes keep on spinning out every time. I don't have any Mm -hmm. weight going through them. But once we've got that, sometimes you still find people that even with that increased awareness of being like, okay, how are you feeling? Where's your body weight being distributed? They still just can't feel for how to maintain the exact positions we want. And that's when contraption squats can be, again, a useful tool in the toolbox for a coach to say, hey, let's try this and see if I can put you into this exact position. Now let's try some work. And really what we'll talk about again in the future of this podcast it's more so a mobility mm-hmm. teaching drill than it is something that we ever want people to be like, okay, you've got five by five at 80% in your right. squat today. Use contraption squats for that. It's not meant for that. So if anyone's thinking about how the setup would work for your squats, you're not using it for your main work. This is for someone who's struggling with squat form, how we can use it as a teaching tool. And again, a different tool works for everybody else, but the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more efficient you can be as a coach as a way to help guide someone into actually feeling for the positions that we want to put them in. Yeah, for sure. And and really before we move any further forward, I do want the listeners to go look at this on, you know, either the blogs that we put together uh, on this specific topic on contraption squats or the YouTube video. And there's actually a couple different versions of this. One way is, as you mentioned, Aaron, we're going to use maybe something like a dumbbell or um, I've even used um, two by fours, you know, cut at certain lengths that where we're going to put in between someone's heels to keep them from sliding in. We can also put um, heavy bumper plates on the outsides of the base of the big toe. Uh, or the, I'm sorry, the base of the little toe, the pinky toe to keep the feet from turning out. So you're going to be completely blocked there. That's typically used with, um, you know, if we're going to use light front squats or light back squats or light overhead squats, or even goblet squats, um, with weightlifting shoes, for example. But another version is where we can go barefoot as well. As you mentioned, I love doing barefoot contraption squats for those that need it through their warm-up sequences. And when I say warm-up sequences, I'm talking about, you know, goblet squats or holding a plate out front, extending your arms and doing a goblet squat or, or air squats, uh, anything like that, where we can use just one bumper plate where you're going to position your feet on that bumper plate in a certain way. And again, go look at the video, go look at the blogs. So you get an idea of this, but this very first, where this very first came from is I was coaching a weightlifting class uh, one day and I, and, um, our weightlifting gym is like one building over from the CrossFit gym that we used to own. So I walked over to the CrossFit gym to uh, use the bathroom. And my wife was coaching uh, a class where they were doing back squats first. And I, and I noticed that she had, um, one, a plate in between the heels of this one athlete. And I thought that was very interesting. And I noticed that this athlete that I was familiar with, um, was where he was maintaining a better foot position. And so I knew what she was doing, but I asked her about it and, and, and where she came from. And she just said, I just got tired of his feet moving around. So I was like, that's genius. And so I immediately took that over to the weightlifting gym and I started experimenting with it. And I was very surprised at what I saw because what I 
immediately got excited about and understood that I had that I stole from my wife was that um, I had a way to control these athletes feet, the ones that were moving around a lot, the ones that couldn't remember where to put their feet. They were always just inconsistent, a way to control uh, these types of things. And I thought, okay, now I'm going to have to find a way to, you know, uh, at least we have this base taken care of, but I, I expect to see um, a lot more lacking quality up through the rest of the body. But what I was surprised about is that I saw immediate improvements up through the rest of the body, actually, because when you're blocking someone's feet in position, they're now able to apply more basic cues that they weren't before. before. For example, push your knees out. If your feet are blocked, you can now push your knees out to the extent that you can. Whereas if you have certain mobility limitations and you're trying to push your knees out, that might be what's moving your feet around. Right. So just, that's just one of many examples of many different cues that one is going to have, have a better chance of applying or, um, you know, being able to, uh, uh, a, a cue that I like to give is lock and twist. So meaning flex your quads to lock your knees and then twist your knees out from that position. And some athletes can't do that without their feet moving around. So a lot of these things that you're able to do helps immediately bleed up through the rest of the body, bleed quality uh, up through the rest of the body. Now for some athletes that does limit their depth a little bit more, um, but it keeps them from going to a depth that's going to, to cause that quality. And so what that led to was me saying, okay, I can control their quality with contraptions, but how can I improve their depth at the same time? And so that's when I added elevation as part of the contraption squat setup and part of the contraption squat protocol. So now we have improved quality, we have improved depth and we can work the whole package that we want for the benefit of the Olympic lifts uh, at the same time. That's perfect. And I mean, it makes so much sense because we always say that the foot sets the foundation for the entire body. And if your foot is not in a good position, whether it's collapsing over mm -hmm. or spinning out to the side, it affects everything else up the rest of the chain. And I know, I mean, we're not the only ones talking about it. Like Chris Duffin with Kabuki strength and barefoot athletics and all the stuff that he does. Mm -hmm. Like he's a huge proponent and many other people are, huge teachers of set the foot first. And when the foot's in a good position, everything else mm -hmm. can, you know, work well up the chain. And especially with Olympic lifters and CrossFitters, which obviously is the, the main audience, especially who you're talking to that are having to do the snatch and the clean, those are extreme range of motion movements. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get into extreme range of motion movements, you have to be able to set yourself into a position so that consistently you can get into the best bottom position possible. So that's where it's, it's really interesting to see how this could be helpful for a lot of people, especially when it comes to, you know, the front squad and then the overhead mm -hmm. squad as well. Yeah. I really want to say it's all about the feet. I mean, you know, I've, I've heard so many experienced coaches and, and knowledgeable coaches and, and just to throw out uh, coach Bergner, who's very well known in, in the community, the CrossFit community specifically, you know, his, uh, you know, main saying is stance, grip, and position. And he also says that, you know, uh, something like 90% of misses can be attributed to the feet. And I completely understand more and more, the, the more I coach and the more I experiment, yeah. and the more I understand, the more I understand, the more I, that makes sense to me, mm -hmm. you know, um, can I really say that it's all in the feet? No, there are other things going on, but certainly, if your feet moving around, you don't have good foot stability. If that's something that you're lacking, it is everything because it is the first thing 
that you need to address and get under control in whatever way that is. You know, maybe it's just a, a weak foot, an immobile foot, an immobile ankle, um, immobile tibias, you know, uh, that we're going to talk about uh, a little bit later, I'm sure at least a little bit. Uh, hips, whatever that is, whatever the reason for your instability in the foot, it's first and foremost what you need to get under control. If you got that, if you're good to go, then maybe we can say that uh, the feet aren't the main thing because there's probably going to be something else that that's going to be the main thing for you. But it's certainly if you have five things, five major limitations going on in, in the feet or one of them, that's the first one that you need to address because it's what's what's going to give you the most bang for your buck. But, you know, talking about contraption squats in you know, uh, wrote this blog post out and, and, you know, we're collaborating on, on a lot of stuff we're writing together. We, we put this contraption squat video together. It had been, you know, at least a handful of years since I said much of anything outside of, uh, you know, a couple handfuls of athletes that I came across that I felt needed them mm-hmm. because I've been very hesitant to put them out into the, the community because, a little bit of me fears the the backlash, you know, yeah. and I hate to even admit that because like I am very good about standing up for what I believe in and putting out information that might be a little bit controversial, but I can see where a lot of PTs specifically, a lot of coaches, knowledgeable coaches in the community or athletes in general, if they look at this setup, they see this mess of plates and, and, um, <laughs> uh, dumbbells laying on the floor, you know, and, and they see someone walk into it and set up and we're blocking someone's feet where foot position toe out, how much toe out should you have is a very, very debatable topic, very sensitive topic for a lot of, uh, PTs, coaches, and athletes in the community. And I just feared the backlash from that. Like, what are people going to say? What are they going to think? And also it was experimental. Like it's something I've been experimenting with for many years now, but no one else there's, there's no research Mm -hmm. out there to say, you know, uh, what is this and all that stuff. And so, you know, my question for you, Aaron, as a PT, when I first sent this to you, I'm, I'm scared about about what you're going to say, but you (laughs) almost immediately were like, wow, I love this. You know, so what was it about it that said to you, it's okay. And that you, you liked it. I think the, the first thing is that you weren't trying to say everyone needs to squat with their toes 100% straight forward. So I think when I put out the YouTube video and then obviously cut it down for Instagram, I think some of the comments that I got were, oh, I always have a tough time squatting with my toes forward. This will be perfect. So a lot of people almost took it as like, we're trying to get a one size fits all with toe position, which isn't what we're trying to say. And also, also, not something that I preach as far as like understanding our anatomy. Like the big thing I try to tell people is understanding how your individual anatomy can dictate maybe leaning towards a different type of squat. For example, if someone has a good amount of retroversion, first off, we don't guess, we always assess. And then understanding, well, retroversion, what does that do? Well, usually it means that that person's probably more apt to having a little bit more of a twat ankle whenever they squat. Mm -hmm. Um, if someone has, you know, hips that are in, you can assess based on like how you find their, their hip sockets, whether or not they're more narrow or wider, you know, that also changes and dictates where they're able to get the most optimal width also as, as far as it pertains to the depth of their squat. Mm -hmm. But the thing that I liked about it was that you were basically saying, let's take where you're currently at 
and just move you in a little bit and then yep. use it as a light mobility drill that's mm-hmm. technically extremely movement or position specific. Now, I was just thinking about this before we came on the air to talk about this. This isn't a new concept. It's new when it comes to the squat. But if you think about it, we use other external blocks or implements to help us further our mobility in other ways. Here's two examples. If someone has poor overhead mobility with a press or snatch, one thing that I like to use is just a corner pec stretch or a rig pec stretch. So what is that? You're putting your hands up in the corner. You find a corner of a gym. Or uh, you find, you know, a, a door frame, right? You put your elbows up at 90-90 and then you lean into it. And what is the wall doing? That's your external load that's right. blocking your arms. So you are moving forward. Your arms are blocked. What are you doing? You're moving your shoulders into an extreme position for a position-specific stretch that's helping you then get overhead. Uh, a calf stretch. We're not the only ones that show it. There's plenty of people that do ankle mobility drills where you get down into a deep squat or lunge based on what you're trying to do. And you would put a weight on the knee to try to drive the knee forward a little bit more. Mm. Some people do it with a barbell across both knees. Some people do it with like a heavy kettlebell on one knee, like maybe raised up on a bench, but what are you doing? You're using an external load to further assist your stretch. So when we look at a contraption squat, if I take someone that is usually maybe a 30 degree toe out squatter, so maybe they have a little retroversion. Maybe they've screened themselves and found out. Well, one thing I always tell people is that you are rarely ever 100% satisfying the mobility requirements mm-hmm. for your lifts. Now, sure, there are some people. I do see some hyper, hyper mobile athletes sometimes. But rarely do I find a, a weightlifter, a powerlifter, or crossfitter that's, uh, they don't, you don't need any mobility work. You're good. Right. And in those cases, and especially the person that a we're talking about the contraption squat, they would be useful for it. In those you know specific situations, if I just take that person and maybe use some um, weights and turn their toes in five degrees more, and then have them perform a light squat like that, well, all of a sudden they're maybe getting pushed into a, just a little bit more of an extreme position where they may feel a little bit more of a squat. It's a little bit more demanding on their body to go through that range of motion, Mm -hmm. which then allows them to express that mobility just a little bit more, get an active stretch, we could call it. So that when we take the blocks away and then they're ready to go back to their regular lifting, it's going to be that much easier to access that new range of motion. They don't feel like they have to turn their toes out as much because they already went through that range of motion. So it's a different tool that I think can be extremely position specific with the idea that we're only trying to make small changes from their current situation for how they set up. Again, this is only for people that are getting set up with crazy feet. They spin on every time. Mm -hmm. For me in my squat, I don't need contraption squats. My feet stay firmly planted every time. And there's plenty of lifters out there that are listening to this you won't ever need a contraption squat. If Mm -hmm. your feet stay firmly planted, you're in a good, maybe, you know, zero to 15 degree toe out. We don't need Mm -hmm. a ton, but for those specific situations for people that struggle with squatting and keeping their feet centered and moving around, this can be a good tool. I think just to make it very position specific more so than almost any other drill before. I mean, we use a goblet squat to sink down 
Mm-hmm. And even then you're not, you know, uh, really focusing on the position of the feet. You're telling them, keep your feet firmly planted. But this way just sort of teaches you, like you said, training wheels. Mm-hmm. Sort of pushes you just a little bit more into that exact position. But I do think, like you said, you know, there is the, the backlash because people, when they see a drill that has a lot to it, mm-hmm. we automatically think of these, I don't know if there's a good word for it, these like functional movement gurus that love using bands and chains and like, you know, just too mm-hmm. many implements because they think it's going to have that much carryover to, you know, real life movement. Where in this case, all we're simply doing is just saying, turn your toes in just a little bit more. And these, you know, specific weights are going to keep your toes from spinning out. Now let's just squat in that range. Let's see how it feels. It should be a little bit of a stretch in this area. How is it changing things up? And let's, as you can say, uh, talk about later, the specific protocol then over time, we're trying to help mold someone's squat into a little bit better position. So that's where I think um, if people actually look at it and then ask about it and actually read and mm-hmm. listen to our discussion about how it can be implemented, I think that's where I think more people than not will go, oh, yeah. okay, I, I understand yep. where you're coming from. Makes sense. Because um, I, mm-hmm. I, I do think there's definitely that shock factor that, like you mentioned, it's a lot of people love to give their opinion on something real quick before ever having yep. the question of, Hey, can you, can you explain why you would use this? Mm-hmm. Not just go, Oh, you're, that's way too much of a crazy implement. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you're telling everyone they need to squat hundred percent toes forward, which is not what we're saying. Um, right. yeah, I think just having that discussion, I think it can be a helpful tool in the right person at the right time. Yeah. With that, uh, you know, even reading the description at all, they just see it and then they're, they're imme- immediately make a comment. You know, I, I love when that happens, but that is social um, media for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the way that, that I look like to look at it really is for those that are going to just immediately say, this is dumb, dangerous, wrong, or you shouldn't be doing something like this. Mm-hmm. They're basically saying that, you know, an ankle rock or a banded hip mobilization or smashing or doing a corner stretch, as you mentioned, Aaron Mm -hmm. is dangerous as well. Right. When it's certainly not, you know, I mean, anything can be, anything can be, you know, if you're not following instructions, if you're not doing it appropriately uh, and everything else. And so that's a big thing for me is just, is just getting people to get past that. And as you said, uh, Aaron, give it a chance, look at it, um, read about it, understand what we're trying to accomplish and do with the protocol and understand that it doesn't have to be this extreme change. You know, if you're, if you feel, if you know that you're tight, if you are currently squatting with, uh, your feet two to three inches outside of shoulder width apart and 30 degrees, I, I personally feel like that's unnecessary and you can make some big changes pretty quickly, but I'm not saying you necessarily have to rip the bandaid on that and go shoulder width and straight ahead. You can say, okay, this is where I'm at. I understand where I'm at. Let me move my feet in one inch on each side while I'm in the contraption, uh, one inch on uh, yeah, one inch on each side and say five degrees in Mm -hmm. from 30 degrees. Okay. If that's what you feel comfortable with. That being said, most of the athletes that I've come across and I've done this with, and, and if, to be honest with you, I can't think of, I'm not saying they're not out there because they are, but I haven't come across one yet 
that I haven't been able to rip the bandaid with and that they haven't shown immediate improvement. Now, some of those athletes need, um, you know, one to two inches of elevation to be able to, to go to the extreme shoulder width and straight ahead foot position and to be able to get some good quality work in, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. It's whatever it is. It's a starting point. And that's the, really the, the main thing you need to be concerned with is getting a starting point of width and turn out of the toe and a certain amount of elevation that you need to be able to maintain the quality that we need to see. You know, we don't want you to get inside of the contraption and, you know, uh, squat down with a completely rounded back. You know, that's not what we're looking for. We need to see something where you're doing most of your reps with quality. And what I mean by most of your reps is that I'm actually okay, especially because look, we're trying to change mobility. We're trying to improve your position. So we need to kind of push the limits to the extent of seeing one or two, at least slightly lacking quality reps while you're going through these. And you can do that because you're not lifting heavy, Mm -hmm. right? You're lifting very lightly. And we're going to see even with, you know, the bar or uh, a light kettlebell, what you're going to be able to do. And, And the thing is, is that what, why I like doing these with front squats, for example, or even overhead squats so much is that even though we're not going heavy to use something up to say 50% or 40%. And I don't, I recommend staying at 50% or below, but to get a little bit more weight on the bar, guess what that does as well. It's kind of a contraption also, cause it's, it's helping force you into a better position. You're having to work harder to stay tighter and to maintain position. And it's that weight is going to help assist you maybe uh, get down to a little bit of a lower, lower position. So you're getting assistance in all these ways. You're getting assistance from your feet being blocked into position. You're getting assistance from where the bar is placed front rack, for example, or holding a plate out front. And you're getting assistance from the amount of weight, uh, that you're using again, to a certain extent, we're not going to ask you to max out and we don't want you to max out. Um, but a little bit of weight as you, as, as you know, if you've struggled with mobility for years, for example, you know, most likely that more weight helps you front rack is a great example. Yeah. It takes me, you know, my front rack position is, is the tightest area. And I, and I've learned that from working more and more with you, Aaron, and, <laughs> and ways on ways of improving it. Mm-hmm. It takes me at least 60 kilos to be able to keep my fingers under the bar. If I, if I, now, once I warm up and, and I can take weight back off and I can use lighter weight to do that. But initially I need a little bit of weight to warm up the best that I can. And I also use straps. So straps, strap front squats are a part of part of, uh, the exaggeration method that we talked about, I believe last time Mm -hmm. and the contraption squats are part of the exaggeration method is to method too, because we're using contraption squats to exaggerate your foot position. When you exaggerate your foot position, you are working your body differently. You're, um, you're, you're working your mobility differently. For example, if your feet are in a different position, and let's just say the extreme example of, uh, shoulder width and feet straight ahead. If you're able to get down to a depth that's, um, just below parallel, even you're, you are stretching and mobilizing your ankles more, your tibias and your, and your hips, mm-hmm. right? So you're yep. getting better stretches on those parts of your body that are, critical, critical parts of your body to be able to squat better. Now, anatomy wise, you talked about that a little bit, um, 
uh, a little bit earlier, Aaron, and I want to go back to that at least briefly, because one of the things that I saw you post not too long ago was this pie chart of, um, and you know, parts of your body that contribute to uh, lacking squat depth and lacking squat uh, quality. Can you talk Mm -hmm. about that pie chart a little bit and what you feel are the most important parts of your body? Because again, we go back to anatomy and everyone immediately jumps to hip anatomy, right? So mm-hmm. how, how big of a piece of that pie is not only hip anatomy, but hip mobility? Yeah, that's a great question. To, to the extent of how much mobility and how much of is it anatomy and what parts of mobility and what parts of anatomy, it's hard to say because I think everyone's going to be a little variable. You know, when mm-hmm. we look at these epidemiological studies, you know, we can see that where you're born across the world and the genetics that you have from your parents and their parents and parents on definitely plays a big role into how, what type of anatomy you're going to have later in life. So for example, um, I know in my speakings with Dr. Stuart McGill, he alluded to some of these studies that have shown that parts of like uh, Eastern Europe, right? Some of these countries that produce some of the better weightlifters in the world um, have notorious uh, high incidence of hip dysplasia. Whereas we have other countries in the world, a lot of westernized countries, particularly uh, Dr. McGill would always bring up uh, Irish uh, and Scottish particularly uh, to have a very deep hip socket. Now, for those out there that are interested in what, what does this even mean? Think about your hip socket like either a bowl or a plate and there's a ball within that's trying to stay on. Well, if there's a bowl, a ball that is within a bowl, clearly there's not, there's only so much room that ball can roll around before it hits the edges. Whereas if that ball is on a plate, clearly it can roll around a lot more and then almost fall off. So hip dysplasia basically is showing how flat someone's hip socket is. And someone that has that often has excessive mobility in the hip. Someone who has a very deep hip socket usually will have limited hip mobility comparatively. Now, what does that mean? Usually someone that has a greater uh, incidence of hip dysplasia or more hip mobility naturally because they have a more shallow hip socket will usually be able to, with ease, sit down into the bottom of a deep squat. This is why Dr. McGill theorized, well, this is potentially why we see a lot of great Olympic lifters from very specific parts of the world, because naturally they're just able to more easily get into the bottom of a deep reception for a snatch or a clean. So there is a little bit of genetics that we can thank your parents for and their parents' parents as far as (laughs) letting you more naturally with ease get into certain positions. Now, that's only one part of it, obviously. We also have to understand mobility. And this, to a part, plays into genetics. And in part, also, if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, we see Mm -hmm. uh, people from certain parts of the world that are constantly sitting in a deep squat throughout their day. And they have excellent ankle and hip mobility. And then you see other people that have sat at a desk job for 20, 30 years uh, that have maybe the same ethnicity or background, and yet they are extremely stiff. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a little bit of that use it or lose it part as well. But the idea with that pie chart, while it was just a generic pie chart that I just copy and pasted off of Google, was the idea of understanding that there are many different aspects to allowing a great quality squat bottom position for your snatch and clean. Mobility is one part. Anatomy is another part. It's important to recognize all parts. 
but understand that it is neither one or the other that dictates things fully. The problem is, is that while anatomy, especially at the hip can dictate, especially like toe angle or how deep someone can maybe squat before their femur or their, their pelvis turns under, um, it's only one part of the equation. And often we can then improve a lot of our mobility in order to fully find what's most optimal. So for example, I brought up the person with hip retroversion. And what that means is that that person naturally has a ton of external rotation mm-hmm. and very limited internal rotation. Now, obviously there's a, uh, a range of mm-hmm. retroversion. I get some people that have extreme retroversion and usually they're, they're ones that sort of toe out. They walk pigeon toed a lot. Um, or not pigeon toe, they'd be toed out. Pigeon toe would be toed in. Um, so they like to walk with their toes out a lot. And they just have no hip internal rotation. Well, if, if that's your only thing you're basing your squat on, then you're just going to squat with your toes 45 degrees pointing out the rest of your life. And the problem with that is that oftentimes it can lead to a greater ease in uh, not being able to maintain that specific external rotation torque we want to see in the hips. It's not as stable. It's more mm-hmm. prone to letting that foot collapse over or mm-hmm. maybe the knee come in. So um, while you may be a great sumo deadlifter mm-hmm. with a lot of hip retroversion compared mm-hmm. to someone who has a lot of antiversion, again, also understanding that hip and that can play a big part as far as power lifters go, which type of deadlift may be most optimal for you. It's only part of it because if someone with hip retroversion really works on their hip internal rotation, mm-hmm. they will be able to find the most optimal positions for their body as far as understanding and appreciating anatomy, but also finding maybe that toe out position that allows them a little bit more of a straightforward foot squat. Because again, if we're excessive with that toe out, it can be inefficient with our lifting quality. We're not saying that everyone has to squat hundred percent straightforward, but a lot of times we can get a little bit closer because again, mm-hmm. we're talking trends. And I think the trend that I see and the trend that you definitely have seen is that people often default into an excessive toed out position, yep. which then leads to foot collapse, in knee collapse in. So by just understanding, okay, is that person towing out excessively because of anatomy? Yes or no. Again, mm-hmm. always screen, never just guess. Right. And if it's yes, anatomy, okay, let's understand. Well, maybe you're never going to be hundred percent straightforward, but let's now assess and see if we can improve your hip internal rotation and improve that a little bit. And then also tibial rotation, because that's yes. a big thing also that I think a lot of people are not understanding or appreciating enough. The hip anatomy and mobility is one part of it. Then we also have to look at, especially the ankle. And this is for Mm -hmm. the most impactful thing, especially on squat depth and trunk angle, which if Mm -hmm. you're a CrossFit or an Olympic lifter, you better spark up your attention right now. Right. It's funny because uh, Greg Knuckles and all the guys uh, that do the mass monthly review, which is awesome. I think they do a lot of really good um, research uh, publications and stuff like that. They recently came out with one that was looking at how ankle mobility was more predictive than limb torso length mm-hmm. at squat depth and trunk angle, yeah. which I think is something we've been preaching for a long time. It was just great right. to really see some, some cool evidence of it in the, in the science uh, department. But again, what we're seeing is that the more mobility you have at the ankle, the better positioning you can get at. Now we always talk about the 
movement of dorsiflexion, which is knee over toe. But again, the squat's not two-dimensional. We also have this rotation that's occurring at many parts of our body, especially at the ankle. Now, you are a great example of this as far as if you look at your squat, how far your knees sort of tilt to the side. Um, but also I have to bring up Max Lang because I think he's an excellent mm -hmm. example of this as well. And I know you'll confirm that if yeah. anyone uh, has their phone open, go flip to Instagram and just look up Max Lang weightlifter. Uh, he's a German weightlifter, Olympic weightlifter. And when he squats, you'll see his knees almost look like they're pushing too far to the side, but yep. really his, his feet are very stable. He just has, and I, I haven't assessed him. I'm sure if I asked him, he would send me a video. He, pro, he just has a lot of tibial rotation in abduction. So as you squat mm -hmm. down, your knees aren't just going over your toe. The knee is also leaning to the side. The tibia is leaning to the side and twisting inwards. So we're getting tibial internal rotation and abduction, which means it leans to the side. And that allows your hips to sink a little bit deeper and make up for a lack of knee over right. toe if you don't have it. And this is a really good thing that if you guys want to go on my YouTube and look at the most recent video that Chad and I came out with, we just called how to improve squat depth, ankle mobility, and tibial rotation, because you have limited ankle mobility on your right side. That's a side yeah. that you're very limited a club foot. Yes. But because you have so much ankle uh, or tibial rotation on that side, right. It allows you to still sink into a very deep squat and upright. Yes, exactly. And be very upright. So basically the idea for people is just to give you another tool in the toolbox to assess, because I think the more educated athletes and coaches we can create out there, the better we can, you know, make the world of weightlifting, CrossFit and powerlifting. Right. So don't just look at knee over toe ankle mobility with the five inch wall test. That's something I've been harping on since I started squatting. Yes. And really, this is more of a new understanding within the past year that I've been experimenting right. on with a lot of people is that also look at tibial rotation, basically yep. with your feet straight forward, lock your knee. So grab your knee and just rotate your foot in as far as you can with your foot still flying, staying flat on the ground. And what we've come to see is that most people should have like 15 to 20 degrees where they can turn their toe in mm -hmm. on both sides. And I think first off, we're looking at asymmetries. If there's an asymmetry, we need to address that before global stiffness. Mm -hmm. um, but also if they're lacking that, doing a tibial rotation drill can improve that ability to rotate at the ankle. Sometimes also make up for limited ankle mobility or improve right. it in the same part and then allow you to have a little bit better squat depth. I had a patient a couple months ago that came to me from New York and I remember it very, very specifically because he had been struggling with ankle mobility for such a long time and had developed knee pain because of it. Uh, his right side, I believe it, what it was. And he was just like, doc, I've been doing everything. I've been doing banded joint mobilizations. I've been doing, you know, calf stretching. I've been doing, you know, smashing it with a foam roller because my ankle mobility just never gets better. And every time I hit the bottom of the squat, I can feel myself shifting over and I just get stress on my knee. And we assessed his tibial rotation and he was off on that side. Yep. So I, I thought, I was like, all right, I want to try this little self-experiment, a little test retest like Kelly Starrett always says. We did the tibial rotation drill. Instantly got better. And yep. then we just went over and we did the five-inch wall test again. And that mm -hmm. got better. Yeah. So by doing an ankle tibial rotation drill, 
his dorsiflexion range of motion knee over toe got better, which allowed him to then get into a better squat, stay more upright, felt much better. So again, going back to the original question of the, the pie chart, I really think the areas that we have to understand is ankle mobility, tibial rotation, and hip rotation Mm -hmm. are vastly underrated and things that need to be screened and uncovered first. Mm-hmm. understand that always screen never assess i've said that like 10 times already today <laughs> but with the right tools in place we can say all right yes or no this is a weak link this is a, a yellow flag something i need to focus on understand anatomy still screen it because i think it's going to give you an understanding for how much potential you have but no it's not 100 the only thing to understand we can Mm -hmm. still be actionable in the mobility drills in understanding and empowering yourself with what things can I work on? Cause you can't change your anatomy. It can give you insight, but it can't change anything with it. We can change ankle mobility. We can change tibial rotation. We can change hip mobility often in a lot of people, obviously speaking to more people that are stiff versus the percent of small people that are hyper, hyper mobile. Mm -hmm. But I think understanding those things, can allow us to really make tremendous changes. And then the big thing I think we haven't talked about it yet is with the contraption squats, we're not saying just do that alone. Right. If you're someone listening to this and you're stiff and you have crazy feet and every time you squat, your feet are just moving around. You've just tried everything. Pair your mobility work Mm -hmm. with the contraption squats. And I think that's where we get the best of both worlds. Yeah, absolutely. And that's going to be, you know, we're not going to go through the whole, you know, example protocol that we have, because we have that written out for you guys to see, um, in the blogs, I think probably in, um, in the description, of the YouTube video as well. I'm not sure if we have it I, there or not. I'm pretty sure I linked the, every single one of the blogs in the description of the YouTube yep. video. So it can go there, yep. but also it's on just vonweightlifting.com. Yep. Yeah. But go read through that protocol, go read through those, the, uh, all of the blog posts so you can understand them better, especially if you're someone that needs this, but I just have to speak on tibia rotation a little bit more because I'm, you know, when I, when I first learned it from you, maybe like a couple years ago now, mm-hmm. it, it's one, once I started, you know, applying that test and finding those athletes that needed more tibia rotation and giving them drills, it's one of those things that is a magic button. It's a magic button for those athletes that need it, especially if they're, um, in great need of it. And and there's not, you don't come across those very often. You come across things that work, but they take a long time. Right. And I'm not saying that tibia rotation is immediately fixed or anything like that, but I've seen big, quick changes from, uh, seeing someone that is in need of tibia rotation and then giving them a drill. And like you said, test retest kind of thing, Mm -hmm. you can not only see a big difference in the test, but you can see, um, an extent of difference uh, in, in their squat. So it's one of those things that can be very magic. And I, and I can't tell you probably, I mean, probably at least a handful of athletes that I've come across that why, why are you squatting in the way that you do? I like to ask people questions like why, what is your purpose for doing what you're doing? You know, because that gives me an understanding of where their head is and it helps me communicate with them and direct them moving forward. If I understand why you're doing something and a lot of athletes, they don't have a purpose for it. Right. So I'm like, okay, well then just do what I say. You don't have a purpose anyway, (laughs) but 
for, for those athletes, you know, uh, a handful of athletes that I've come across, for example, that, um, why are you squatting with your toes? So turned out 30 to 45 degrees hip anatomy or yeah. Hip anatomy is what they say. Mm -hmm. We test their tibia rotation, their ankles and their hips, their hips. And again, in these examples that I'm talking about, their hips were good. Their hips were fine. They had decent internal hip rotation. So no apparent hip anatomy, um, issues, mm -hmm. uh, their ankles, their ankle dorsiflexion was good, but their tibial rotation was completely locked up, right? So this is why they're more comfortable in a toe out position. And it's due to the tibias and their thinking anatomy. Now, uh, tibial rotation is usually paired with tight ankles. So I think it's mm -hmm. important for, for athletes to understand that. And if that's the case, as we've talked about in blogs, and as we, um, as you recommend, Aaron, you want to pair that tibia drill with uh, an ankle drill. So you want to do the ankle drill and then the tibial drill and then get inside of the contraption mm -hmm. if, if that's your issue. But another, at least another five athletes that I've come across that related their toe out to um, hip anatomy, we tested those three or I test everything, but those three specifically, yeah, their ankles were a little bit tight. Their tibias were completely locked up, but their hips were good. Once again, their hips were good and their issue. So their issue was not in the hips. It was, um, tibias and or ankles. So I tell those stories just so you understand. And another thing that excites me so much about tibia rotation <laughs> is that it made me understand, as you will see in the video, uh, the YouTube video, it made me understand why I was able to accomplish the things that I did in spite of being born with a club foot. And what that means is that I wore a cast on my right foot for the first year of my life. To this day, my um, right calf is atrophied. So it's about half the size of the left and my ankle dorsiflexion, especially when I'm cold is if you think of a five inch wall test, my knee is four inches from the wall. My left knee can go past five inches. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's a big, um, uh, asymmetry there. If I do the appropriate ankle, uh, drill in my warm up, then I can get up to a couple more inches, but what I learned is that my tibia rotation, even in that bad side, I've got about 45 degrees. So I've got about 45 degrees in my left and 45 degrees in my right. And that allows me to keep my foot in a relatively straight position, shoulder width apart, and to be able to push out. So I'm able to compensate for that lacking dorsiflexion by going out. And that's important because otherwise my compensation would be my right, my right foot is going to jump out and turn out excessively. And my knee is going to go to the inside to try to go around that lacking dorsiflexion. So this good tibia rotation allows me to overcome the lacking dorsif dorsiflexion. And I've seen good tibia rotation or improving tibia rotation able to overcome and, um, hide, so to speak, uh, someone with, with lacking internal hip rotation. So, um, I think, I think it's important to understand that. And that, that all goes along with what we're trying to get you to understand about contraption squats and this idea of blocking your feet and this idea of, you know, some athletes, coaches, or PTs in the community saying, Oh, that's dumb. Don't do that because of this and that, and this and that. And one of those major reason, reasons is going to be hip anatomy or hip mobility. And what we're trying to get across to you is look at everything, understand mm -hmm. where you're at, understand if you do have um, anatomical variations in your hip or any part of your body, understand what your mobility limitations are. Mm -hmm. Because when you combine 
something like contraption squats with that information within the protocol that we're recommending, that's when you're going to see some good changes. Remember, contraption squats are for those that are in extreme need. So that means that if you're in extreme need, you should be, as we recommend, replacing your heavy squats that are in your program with light contraption squats. So what that means is that if you have 80, uh, six sets of five at 80% in the back squat, for example, but that load is causing you to shy away from depth because uh, if you go deep with that heavy weight, you're going to break and lose quality and your feet are really wide and turned out and your arches are collapsed on every single those, every single rep at 80%, man, you're, you're not doing yourself a whole lot of good. You're going to be very limited in the amount of strength that you're going to be able to get, gain. And that's not really going to bleed into your Olympic lifts at all anyways. So take a little bit of time away from that squat program that you're on. Um, I like to initially commit to something like four weeks and then reassess and then go through it again if you need to, but replace those squats. Think about also replacing any heavy squat snatches or qu squat cleans in your program, because what we want to do is accumulate as many good quality reps that we can to help overcome and make the change. And this may be a decent length of a process, but you're going to be better off in the long run if you're able to um, you know, set your ego to the side and spend some time that you need, because a lot of issues with people trying to change mobility and improve is they're spinning their wheels because they're still doing movements where they're compensating a lot. And they're basically just erasing the, the work that they're, that they're putting in. So we want mm -hmm. to combine quality work, quality mobility work with quality movement, um, and all those things, right? So make sure that you're looking at the protocol and you're kind of stepping back away from anything that you might need to be stepping back away from with a complete picture, with the complete truth and the complete reality of, of where you're at. And you've got this starting point. And now the idea is to progress as able through um, sets, through days and or through weeks, meaning I've got this starting point of the amount of elevation and width and toe out that I'm using. Now I can progress my feet in, I can progress my toes in slightly, and I can progress down in elevation over time, mixing and matching all that together as indicated and specified in the protocol that we've written out for you. Um, I'm sorry, Aaron, I, I know I went off, but it's, just, it's exciting to me because yeah. I've seen, you know, what, what athletes are able to do, not only with contraption, as you mentioned, it's not just about contraption, it's about paying attention to all these other things, applying other information, um, taking certain things out of your program for certain amounts of time to give your body an opportunity to make the change and develop. Yeah. I mean, I think like we talked about before, it's just another tool in the toolbox and especially for coaches out there that are, you know, struggling with trying to optimize someone's stance. Um, this can be another tool. And I think the more educated coaches we can create, uh, the better it's going to be for all the athletes out there. So, um, yeah, I will link the YouTube video in the, uh, show notes, I guess, for this podcast and, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. Awesome. But so Chad, thank you so much for coming on and discussing this with everyone. Um, guys, Chad and I are going to be doing a lot more podcasts together over in the next, uh, 
half year leading up to some big announcements that we have. So we'll keep that uh, at bay for right now, but a lot more content coming. Uh, that's going to be very specific for Olympic weightlifting. So if you are an Olympic weightlifter or a CrossFitter, get very excited for that. Um, Chad, any other big things coming up or places you want people to check out? Uh, yeah, I mean, always, of course, just keep up with us on, on Instagram, um, you know, along with, you know, things like contraption exaggeration method, uh, speaking of exaggeration method, um, got a new app that's been out for maybe two or three months now called barbell mobility. So this is just kind of a, a simple, but I feel very effective way to accumulate some good mobility work specifically for the barbell. Um, check that out, barbellmobility.com. Check out the, the Instagram page as well, Barbell Mobility. But if you're interested in trying that out, there's a seven-day free trial always available. If you are want to continue on with it from there, uh, make sure you use SquatU15. I believe that's your code, Aaron. SquatU15, yep. and you can get 15% off your first uh, three months. We'd love for you to not only try it out for the seven days, I would love for you to try it out for a little bit longer than that um, to see if you if it's a good fit for you, um, if you like it, and I'm confident that uh, that you'll benefit from that. So check that out as well. Other than that, that's um, I'm just always uh, working on our content and keeping up with that. So so hopefully people will enjoy it and and uh, check it out. There we go. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for checking out today's uh, podcast. And until next time, guys. Happy squatting. All right, guys, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. For those of you out there that would like to support the show and all the content that I make for Squat University, head on over to patreon.com slash squat university. While my day job as a doctor of physical therapy does help support some of the operational cost of creating content for Squat U, I would love to continue growing the brand so I can make better and better content for you guys. This is why I created a Patreon page that has different opportunities for you to support Squat U and even have access to some live Q&A meetings with me once a month. Now, if you don't have any extra funds right now, really do not worry at all. My content will always remain free to you to help decrease pain, move better, and optimize your performance in the gym. But if you would like to support my show, you can do so for as little as $1 a month. So just head on over to patreon.com slash squat university. Again, thank you guys so much for checking out the show. Until next time, happy squatting. That's it for today, class, on Squat University by Dr. Aaron Horshig. For more exclusive content, log on to squatuniversity.com.